Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Modern Health with Dr. Jane. I, of course, am Dr. Jane. I'm a naturopathic doctor and a fertility expert who focuses on helping couples feel more confident in control of their fertility journey. So today I want to talk to you guys about some of the reasons why you might not be getting pregnant, even though you are ovulating. I get this question a lot. I get this objection a lot, but I'm ovulating, doc. Why can't I get pregnant? And it's so frustrating because if you're tracking your ovulation, you can see that you're ovulating. And so the hope of getting pregnant every cycle is really high. And so then when you don't get pregnant after this two-week uh, two wait period that can feel like basically for forever, you start to second guess yourself. You start, obviously, you're devastated, you're frustrated. And the longer it happens, the more emotion builds up. And so you buy more testing strips, you try harder, you see if there's anything else that uh, you're missing. Maybe you're not ovulating now, you know, when you're trying all these different tests that are out there, where in reality you are ovulating and that's not the problem. And so the mistake that I see is that you're actually focusing on the wrong thing. You are ovulating. The focus now is to understand why you're not getting pregnant. And so this is why I want to share the, you know, share what I'm going to share with you in this episode, because if you have detected ovulation, so whether it's through LH strips, you did progesterone testing on day 21, which is actually the best way to be able to tell if you're ovulating. So measuring your progesterone uh, through blood on the seventh day post ovulation. And usually that's anywhere between day 19 to 22 for women. And then if you have white cervical fluid production, then you are in fact ovulating. And that's good. It's not that we don't want to focus on it. We want to understand it. But the next layer piece here is, well, why am I not getting pregnant? And here are the four main reasons that I see that you might not be getting pregnant, even though you're ovulating. You are, number one, you're ovulating prematurely. Number two, that egg quality is compromised. So it's not a good egg quality. Uh, number three is sperm quality. And number four is that the environment isn't right. And that I'm referring to as the womb. So let's go a little bit deeper into each one of these things. Number one is you're ovulating prematurely. So why would that happen? Premature ovulation commonly happens. The most common reason, and I actually believe that that's what happened in my uh, miscarriage is I ovulated prematurely. So I did get pregnant, but um, they, when we ovulate prematurely, usually what happens is there's not enough nutrients and the nucleus of the egg isn't fully developed. So the DNA that the nucleus is carrying, the genes, the chromosomes, they're not fully developed and there's not enough nutrients uh, to that are being delivered to the egg because the, the growth didn't happen. And so even if ovulation occurs, there, there is not enough energy for that replication to happen at the speed that it needs to happen and for it to become a viable egg. And so uh, a viable fetus, sorry. So the most common reason that you're ovulating prematurely is due to high stress. Because if you think about high stress, what happens in high stress is you have high cortisol. And that means that all of your resources are going towards dealing with stress. So all the vitamins and minerals and antioxidants that you're taking are now going towards dealing with stress. So all the B vitamins and then 
the, you know, all the vitamin C, zinc, selenium, the stress is going to also impact how you manage inflammation, how you manage blood sugar. That, of course, then usually dictates your behavior. So for example, you're going to crave a lot more sugars. You're going to crave a lot more food and more calories because you're more tired because of the stress. And so there's just way more resources that are going to stress instead of going to the reproductive system. And usually the hormone that takes the biggest hit here is progesterone. And we need progesterone for a viable pregnancy, right? And we need progesterone, high levels of progesterone for the second half of the cycle for to even give your body time for the implantation to occur. So when we pre-med ovulate, you're still going to detect ovulation, uh, but typically what happens, and so if you're just relying on things like LH strips, just know that I don't actually, like I recorded a whole episode that you can listen to on why, like on ovulation and stress and why I don't like using LH strips, mainly because uh, sometimes you get an LH surge even before or after you ovulate. So it's a hormone that's a little bit more pulsatile in nature, and it doesn't actually tell us how good the ovulation is. If you're using something like progesterone, now progesterone needs to be measured seven days post-ovulation. And really, if you have no idea when you're ovulating, it's going to be about seven days before you're about to start your period. And what does that mean? It's, uh, you know, for some women, that's going to be day 19. For some, it's going to be day 20, day 22. So really, you the progesterone measurement is the thing that's going to tell us about your ovulation or not. And the ovulation, what we want to see happen is at least above 10, but typically I like to see it around the 20 mark of um, NGDL. So typically what you want to see for progesterone, and this is on that seven days post ovulation, is around between 15 to uh, 19 to 20, even a little bit higher of uh, nanograms per mil. Or if you're in the nanomoles per mil, then you're looking at 60. So that kind of 45 to 60 is ideal in terms of your progesterone levels and will tell us how good that ovulation actually is. Because if the ovulation is robust, that corpus luteum after ovulation will produce lots of estrogen, uh, lots of progesterone, excuse me, and that's what we want. So if you're just uh, relying on LH strips, yeah, you might be getting that surge, but it doesn't really tell us about the the potency, if you will, of the ovulation. And so the lower the progesterone, usually the sign, the, the smaller the egg. So the likelihood of it being more premature ovulation. And then the other component that I really like to teach about is actually the white cervical uh, fluid. If there is lots of white cervical fluid production, that's a sign of a healthy egg being matured and developed. So we want to be tracking. I love tracking the white cervical white fluid and then the progesterone on day 21 more to check. You're not going to do that every cycle. It's unlikely anyways. So number one reason that you're not getting pregnant, even though you're ovulating is that your ovulation isn't very strong. It's that premature ovulation. The second thing that I see in my practice is actually that the egg quality is bad. And so here's what I want to kind of, how there is no test that tells us exactly about the quality of the egg. 
But what I want you to understand is the quality of your egg is really a reflection of your overall health. So if we have a lot of uh, inflammation, if we have a lot of like blood sugar dysregulation, thyroid, excess weight that we're carrying, uh, poor nutrient status, that's all just going to reflect in the quality of the egg. And what I see in my practice and, you know, what I hear on social media is one of the common reasons that the egg cannot be fertilized is that the shell, the outer shell, the zona of the egg is too hard. So the outer shell of the egg is much too hard for the sperm to be able to penetrate. And so therefore, uh, fertilization can't occur. And I've actually seen this through some stories about, you know, women sharing their IVF journeys and they go through IVF and the retrieval goes really well, but then there's no fertilization that happens. So they retrieved all these beautiful looking eggs and all of a sudden, you know, they get the devastating news the next day, like, hey, no fertilization happened. And they usually end up having to do something called ICSI, which is the intracytoplasmic sperm injection. And that's basically when they just take a tiny needle and insert the sperm directly into the egg. So it's assisted fertilization. So the problem here with this, and usually, you know, people will say, oh, okay, we have no idea what that, ha why that happens. And the most common reason it happens is because of aging. So the older you are, the harder the shell of the egg is going to be. And that's true if you're like, you know, in your 40s trying to get pregnant. But now if you're in your 30s and you have a really hard eggshell, and if you're, you know, late 20s, early 30s trying to conceive naturally, and it doesn't, happen. And one of the reasons could be that the, the, the shell of the egg is really hard. And so there's no hundred percent way of knowing that, right. Unless you go through this extensive procedure of IVF and then realizing that you need to do an intracytoplasmic sperm injection, but we can tell by your overall health. And here's what I see in my practice with patients who have been struggling to conceive for a long time. And usually you know, they're told that their egg quality isn't great. Uh, and the AMH is usually on the low side as well. And that's, you know, a podcast for a whole nother episode. But what it comes down to is that there's way too much inflammation and there's not enough antioxidants. There's too much what we call in the alternative world, if you will, oxidative stress. And so let me break down like what is oxidative stress? Oxidative stress is a reaction in the body that produces free radicals. And so free, or it could be exposed from outside sources. So it's either an internal reaction in the body that produces free radicals, or it comes from outside sources, think environmental pollution, pathogens, medication, radiation. What are free radicals? Like, I know that there's a ton of people throwing that term around in oxidative stress, and you kind of heard of it, and I want to just simplify it. So free radicals are just unstable atoms. They're unstable atoms. They're not complete. They need to have something else to bind to them, another electron in order to stabilize them. And so the problem with having unstable atoms in our body is that they're looking for something to bind to make them less reactive because otherwise they're going to damage our cells around. And antioxidants is what neutralizes the free radicals. That's why we say, oh, antioxidants are so important. And the balance is like, we're going to have free radicals in our body. 
the pro the goal is not to remove that completely, but it's to minimize those reactions as much as possible, and then to put as many antioxidants as we can to whatever reactions we will have when we create those free radicals. You have this abundance of antioxidants that can just come through and neutralize these free radicals before they can cause too much damage to our cells. So with age, what happens is we have more free radicals usually because we've accumulated more stress on our cells. We've accumulated more environmental toxins. Our organs of detoxification are not working as well. And, you know, providing that you have eaten a good diet, generally our absorption goes down and the level of antioxidants we have is not as bad. But if this is happening with aging, and now it's happening when you're 30, which is not really considered aging, you're still very much in your prime, then we need to look at what is causing all of these free radicals to be floating around and why is there not enough antioxidants? Because you know my patients that I need, they're taking a ton of stuff. They're taking a ton of whether it's CoQ10 and NAC and vitamin C and zinc, vitamin A, E, you name it, to help optimize their egg quality but what the big missing piece is, is that you don't actually know where the free radicals are coming from. So it's nice because you are trying to put the fire out, but you don't know where the fire is coming from. So if the fire is coming uh, from the basement, but you're putting water in the kitchen, you're just not going to get to the fire. So it's like, yeah, okay, it's good because you're putting out maybe some of the smoke, but we need to get to the root cause and understand where that fire is coming from, where that inflammation is coming from, where all this damage is coming from that's literally aging your cells uh, that we can then deal with. And in that process, is it hardens the egg. The egg becomes really hard, and so it's hard for the sperm to penetrate. And um, you know, you can wait to have IVF and then realize that, oh, fertilization didn't happen, and now it, you have to do the intracytoplasmic sperm injection procedure, but I don't believe that we need to do that. I think that there's a way to tell. And most of my patients, you know, I just took a couple on who have been deemed infertile and no one explained to them about why would the egg quality be bad. And after we ran some of the tests and we looked at the gut function, we looked at micronutrient levels, we looked at hormone function, we looked at environmental toxins. It was very clear of the high environmental toxic load of like really poor gut function. I mean, just infection after infection after infection that it was just a huge source of, um, you know, the pathogens was a huge source of toxins for this uh, for this couple, for this woman. And of course her eggs are not going to be good quality. She's has like these raging infections in her body and her body's constantly trying to put this fire out. Uh, it's not thinking about getting pregnant. And so uh, first step of action is to get that gut fixed because now we understand where the inflammation is coming from. So um, there's ways to tell in terms of the quality of your egg without really truly knowing the quality of the egg, because I believe that if your eggs are your cells and we can test uh, your health overall, then we can make some pretty good guesstimates, if you will, that like, oh, okay, if you have this going on, then it's unlikely that your cells are also going to be healthy because it also reflects on how you feel. I'm anxious all the time. I can't sleep. I'm tired. I'm 
you know, I have no appetite, I can't lose weight, I have acne, I have raging PMS, or I have a terrible period, like, those are all signs and symptoms that things are not working properly in your body. And instead of ignoring them, we need to deal with them. Okay, let's talk about number three. Uh, the third reason why you might not be getting pregnant, even though you're ovulating, and it might has actually nothing to do with you at all. It's sperm quality. So it has everything to do with your partner, whether it's lazy sperm, I like to call it. So it's not progressing. Uh, you know, the morphology is off, so it doesn't move forward uh, well, or it there is not enough sperm. We need high volume, high concentration of sperm to surround that egg to optimize the chance. So if the sp sperm quality is compromised, then you're not going to get pregnant even if you're ovulating. So making sure to check that and rule that out is going to be really important. The last one is your environment. And by what I mean, the environment here is the uterus, the womb, where the baby will grow. Um, if that environment is hostile and if it's not optimal, it, the, not only like is it hard for fertilization to occur, but for implantation to occur. And the reason that I bring that, because sometimes you're like, I'm ovulating, the sperm is good, what's going on? Uh, we have to always you know, the, the things, the four things that you need for a successful uh, pregnancy is good quality egg, good quality sperm, the desire to have a child with one another needs to be there, and the baby room needs to be ready. And the baby room is the womb, the uterus, you know, you ladies, that's the, that's where the baby's first going to grow from your tissue, especially in the first trimester, especially in those first kind of critical weeks where you might not even know that you're pregnant. Um, your baby is going to rely on your body and on the nutrients in your tissue to grow. And if that environment is off, meaning you have a chronic infection or you have a history of infections, whether it's candida, whether it's urinary tract infections, whether it's bacterial vaginosis or like any other STD or SDI, um, that really changes the balance, the microbiome balance of a reproductive system. And it can throw off that, you know, the balance of what we need for it not to be hostile. And you might not have any symptoms anymore, or you might still very much have symptoms. You just think they're normal. And whether that's odor, whether that's discharge, whether that's, you know, uh, pain, dry, dryness, whether it's during intercourse or around your menstrual cycle, none of those things are normal. We should literally only have as discharge white cervical, white fluid production in the middle of our cycle. And then you have, of course, your menstrual bleed, but there shouldn't be any other discharge or any discoloration or any smell. Uh, and if that's happening, usually it's a sign of infection. And so we need to take a very good look at our, not just our vaginal microbiome, but our reproductive microbiome, because our cervix and our uterus, even our fallopian tubes and our ovaries have their own little microbiome. And it's important to have that balanced and usually it's a huge reflection of what's going on in the gut microbiome as well, because a lot of people think that the reproductive system and the GI system, because we see it on the two pictures in the anatomy class of how they're different, but it's like, it's all in this abdominal cavity and it's all smashed together. And so the, you know, your reproductive microbiome and your gut microbiome is separated by a few cells. So it's not like there are these two distant 
systems. They're very, very much interrelated. So understanding what's going on in your gut and then being paying really close attention, not just to your menstrual cycle, but what the discharge that you have uh, throughout your entire cycle, if there's any uh, smell, itchiness, or discomfort, is going to be a tail sign of maybe it's not detected on a swab, but if you have symptoms, that means that there is an imbalance. And so we need to just pay attention more to the symptoms versus to what the doctor is telling us. And, you know, this is a separate tangent, but I think people just really start to believe their doctor and stop listening to their symptoms because you've been told, we've been trained so well to just be told that, oh, everything is normal. So I guess it's normal. It's like, if the lab test says it's normal, but you don't feel normal, that doesn't mean that the lab test is gold standard. It means that, okay, well, what are we missing then? What did we not test? What else do we need to look into to help us understand why the symptom is still there? Because in reality, the symptom is still there. The discomfort is still there. So we need to deal with that. And supposed to say things like, well, my doctor said it's normal. It doesn't really matter if what the doc says, if you don't feel good. That's the thing that should be driving you. Um, the other you know, piece of your environment, if you will, is if there's a lot of inflammation, if there is high estrogen or low estrogen, that's going to really impact the lining. So you might have a lining that's too thick when you have really high levels of estrogen or too thin if you have really low levels of both estrogen and progesterone. And, uh, you know, like I said, that microbiome imbalance is going to be really important because um, fertilization happens for like two single cells and then they become two and then four and then, you know, eight and 16 and they replicate. But that organism is so vulnerable at the very, very beginning. And so any pathogens that are floating around, it's like, I want you to imagine it's like trying to plant a seed just by throwing it on the side of the highway and seeing if it sticks right? The, the chances of it sticking and growing into a beautiful tree and that tree being, you know, providing fruit and beautiful flowers is going to be very unlikely versus putting it in a really good soil and preparing that soil and watering it and making sure that it gets enough sun and putting some good fertilizer on uh, the chances of it sticking, not even sticking, but blossoming into a beautiful tree with, you know, flowers and fruit is much, much greater. And so I want you to think twice about the environment because you are ladies, the environment where the baby will grow. And I wish somebody told me when I was pregnant the first time, it's not how I thought about it. Um, and I did think about it like that with my third pregnancy after I had my miscarriage, because that was, you know, a big lesson for me. Okay. So what do we do next? Now that you are like, okay, so here are the four reasons. Um, these are not the only four reasons. These are the four reasons that I see really commonly in my practice. Uh, but there's other reasons that you might be ovulating and not uh, getting pregnant. And that usually has to do with the sperm and the egg actually reacting. So having some uh, immune system reactions that again, that's going to come down to more immune system function for both uh, some nutrient deficiencies like vitamin D is a big one. But these are the four ones that I see in my practice really common. So what do we do now? So if you're ovulating, that's great, right? That's a good check mark to have, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it is good ovulation, just like I described in the podcast. 
So what I want you to do is to stop trying so hard and instead like stop trying to get pregnant and instead start troubleshooting. Patience is really important here. I know that once you realize that I'm not getting pregnant here, something is wrong, I might need some help, the timeline starts to tick and you feel like every time, every month that you're not trying, you're wasting time. And that's just not true. That's not what happens, okay? There is no, I know that there's like an internal time clock that you feel, but the biggest mistake that I see couples make and women make here in particular is that you don't give your body any time to heal. You just keep trying. And so if you keep trying every cycle, think about it like taking a big test, taking the SATs. If you keep failing the test over and over and over again, would you just keep going back and taking the test? Or would you go back and look at the sections to be like, which section of the test am I failing? And by how much am I failing it? And like, what do I need to do to study in order to go back and try the test again to make sure that I don't fail, or at least increase my probability of the chance that I don't fail? So I want you to think of trying to get pregnant in the same way. If you've been trying for more than three months, and chances are, if you're listening to this, you probably have been trying for more than three months or four months then instead of focusing so hard on trying, I need you to start troubleshooting and understanding like, well, what is going on? Like, why am I not getting pregnant? And maybe starting to look a little bit more critically at your health and at your partner's health and um, potentially maybe starting to look for a practitioner, right, to help you. And so whether it's conventional or, or alternative side, it's you want to learn the thing that you need to learn from this whole lesson, if you will, from infertility. And you want to give your body time to heal because the things that, for example, I do with my Maximize Your Fertility program is my patients aren't trying to conceive when they're in the program, not until we feel like we're ready and we've done some testing and we've re, you know, we've retested and we've gotten you ready and you feel more confident and you've changed your lifestyle. We see the changes in your menstrual cycle. We see the changes in your digestion and in your energy levels. We see all these things happening and now we feel confident to try again. We want to give our body this time to heal, but we also want to give you mentally and emotionally a break from trying. Trying every single month without succeeding is exhausting. And even though you're like, but I can't try, you know, I cannot try. I have to keep trying. It's understanding that you're feeding into an anxiety that's telling you something deeper is going on. And so what I invite you to do is really look deep into what else is going on for you instead of keep trying, hoping that it's going to work. Because I'm telling you, if you look at having a healthy pregnancy as this big test, you would never just take a test over and over and over and over again without doing the studying without understanding why you're failing the test in the first place. But for whatever reason, when it comes to pregnancy, we as women just cannot, cannot do that for ourselves. We, right, it's like you have the blindfolds on. And so what I ask you is to stop it. Don't do that. Let's figure out why you are failing this test in the first place. Because that's, once you have answers and when you have a path moving forward, you're going to feel so much better. You're going to feel so much calmer. And that's really, really, really the point. So um, 
Right. And maybe that means like, okay, I need to have, find a practitioners and there are a ton of practitioners out there and it's worth finding one, you know, um, if, if the message that I'm telling you is really resonating and you want to check out my Maximize Your Fertility program, um, I have an application that you can fill out in the link below. And, you know, if my program isn't the right fit, there are tons of practitioners who work who work to help you understand the root cause of your fertility struggles, of your health, to help you really understand why you're not ovulating or why you're ovulating but not getting pregnant and can give you that step-by-step -step guidance that you are looking for. So I hope you guys found this episode helpful. Please, um, if you want to rate it, share it on your social media, I would greatly appreciate it. It really helps me get my message out and support women and couples all over the world to help them feel more in control and confident through their fertility journey. Thanks so much again for being here. Much love and I'll see you next week.